This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, I am excited to share with you something that really gets to the heart of what is Portma's methodology when tasked with the challenge of measuring experiential marketing. We have found that there is a core set of questions, three questions in fact, that when you are thinking about and using these questions to guide the data to be collected, the analysis to be done, and the reporting to be completed, when these questions are guiding all of those activities, then everything that a creative department can possibly come up with and all the possible ways that you might collect data around that start to focus in and it starts to settle down into one approach, one theory, one set of ideas that are guaranteed to be actionable. And I'm not just talking about actionability when everything is said and done and three months past the end of the activations and people have moved on to other things. I'm talking about actionability in real time. I want data as it's coming in to you to be able to see it, understand it, and react to it in a way that's going to give you time to make the marketing better before it's too late to fix things. And then when you're done and you're in the recapping stage, these three questions really will drive consumer insights and strategy. And this idea that insights and strategy is something that's static is such a failure of thinking because in Insights and strategy is very specific to the team that's looking to execute. And the questions can be standardized, but then how you apply that to those folks and how you how you think about that is going to be very unique for different individuals. And you have to address that in delivery of your analytics and delivery of your data. And these three questions are going to help ground that into something that you can start with. Now, I'm not saying that experiential measurement shouldn't be more than what I'm going to describe. It shouldn't go beyond these three core questions. It certainly may and oftentimes should. But when there is no other direction, you need to start with these three questions in mind. Now, what happens if you don't? The problem is with almost every methodology or data collection effort that I see that doesn't start with this kind of focus, the problem is, is people don't really know what they're going to be doing. They don't really know how or what they're going to see when they're done. And so the approach is by committee, let's ask every question we can think of either in a consumer survey or as a recap template for field staff to complete after each day of activity. Let's think of every possible KPI, every possible metric. Let's get it into a system. Let's just through a stick and commitment, drive people to answer all those questions throughout the three week, three month, 12 month campaign. And then when we're done, we will dump that data on an analyst and somebody will find value in there. And so our recap will help show that it was worthwhile. And that's an understandable approach, but it's a it's an immature approach because we all went to college too long to think that way. We need to have a plan in mind before we start. We need to know what we're going to do with that data before we start collecting it. And it starts with a theory. It starts with some direction. And these three questions provide that direction. Now, these are three questions that we've been focused on for the last 10 years, and we've used it to measure and and to guide the measurement of literally hundreds of experiential marketing campaigns, and it's worked every time. So I, I suggest you give it some thought and consideration. So the first question has to do with reach, has to do with consumer reach, and it's all about how often am I reaching the right kind of people? 
Now, there's both a quality and a quantity component to this. So let me start with the quantity component because that's something that you're probably very familiar with. It's certainly the number of people that you got to. It's number of samples you handed out. It's number of people engaged. It's the things you did with them when you were on site. So I, I often think about engagements as the headcount and interactions as the things that were done when they were on the on the location. So one person could have multiple interactions, but it would be one engagement. And really, as multiple interactions start to develop, you start to get a level of immersion. If they did one thing on site versus four things on site, those are degrees of immersion with that engagement. And sometimes that can be very, a very strong independent variable or very telling in your analysis. But there's a quantity measure, absolutely. And that quantity measure, that number of people you got to, you can divide that by staffing hours, you can divide that by event days, you can divide that by event days and segment it by type of activation, and you could really start to get a clear measure of efficiency. You can get a really good understanding of under what circumstances am I more efficiently engaging consumers than others. And that's those are statistics that we're relatively used to in our recap reports. But there's a more important component to that, and it has to do with the consumer targeting and how well you're reaching the right kind of person. Because if you're reaching the wrong person very efficiently, it doesn't matter. You're not going to have any impact. So you need to make sure you're reaching the right kind of person. And that's often defined by demographic profiles. It's defined by psychographic profiles. It's really the assumptions that you had when you selected that venue or that location or that sponsorship to begin with, because that type of venue or that type of musical act or, or that location, the destination in and of itself attracted people that fit the consumer profile you were trying to reach. And whether or not you were correct with that and how well you reached that right kind of person and how often and how efficiently you reached that person is as important as the broader numbers of total number of samples you distributed. So the first question, how often am I reaching the right kind of person? The secondary value to this is that it will appeal to folks that think about marketing in the context of media buys. Because when we're buying media through radio, print, television, we're thinking about what channel are we targeting and how are we reaching to consumers through that channel. And the channels we're choosing are related to different demographic profiles. And that's the way we've always purchased media. And, and when we can think about experiential in the same context, then it doesn't stand out as a thing that's being measured that's outside of the marketing mix. It's actually an important part of the marketing mix for the brand. And so it helps align with, with more traditional techniques of measurement as well. The second question, once we've figured out how often we're reaching the right kind of person, the second fundamental question that we want to be able to answer is how often are we creating intent where it didn't previously exist? How often are we creating intent where it didn't previously exist? Now, in most cases, intent is a purchase intention, some kind of revenue generating behavior. But depending on where the brand is and what the marketing is all about and what you're trying to accomplish, it may be a very drawn out purchase cycle or it may be a very short purchase cycle. Or depending on the brand's presence and history and the category, it could be that the majority of consumers are very early in the purchase cycle process, meaning that they're they're learning about things for the first time or they're understanding the problem that the product solves or they're being educated about the existence of the brand in the first place. They're very early stage or they might be very later stage. It could be a short-term purchase, low-ticket item easy for consumers to grab. It's widely adopted and it's much more of a behavioral thing. So early stage purchase cycle stuff, it's more attitude, education. The idea of intent is going to come from those kinds of things. If it's latter stage purchase cycle kind of things, it's more about motivating behavior, 
purchase intention, usage occasions. It's about uh, driving uh, direct purchase, drive to retail, those kinds of things. And so measurement of uh, that, uh, how we define intent in this context is going to be very relative to those types of items. But ultimately, we have to be able to answer that question of how well we're creating intent where it didn't previously exist. And that idea of it didn't previously exist, it does in and of itself imply that there is some kind of control. And there's a lot of different ways you can get to that control. You can do it with a traditional control test design. You can do it based on brand health data that the group that we're serving might already have. Or you can do it by collecting control data for the general market. And where control data isn't available, you need to at least have a sense of current customers versus non-customers with who you're engaging because you want to be able to say, okay, of current customers, I can't say that's incremental. I can't say that the intent wouldn't have otherwise existed if they already buy the product. And so we got to take them out of the mix and be able to look at how well we're creating intent that is incremental. And so when you get this idea of, of reach and then you have this idea of intent and that intent is going to be generated from how well your experiential is communicating the brand's value proposition. How well is it communicating why this product or service solves a problem for the consumer? And experiential is wonderful at doing that. It's an amazing opportunity to educate, to engage, approach, educate, give them the chance to really understand the value and then to experience that value. Sampling is certainly a great way to do that. Obviously, you give them the chance to, in a firsthand way, get a sense of what that taste is or what that experience is of the the product so that any apprehension towards them buying themselves, all of those issues are, are starting to be resolved ahead of time. And, and no marketing channel does that faster and more holistically than experiential. But you're making a decision on how immersive that experience is going to be, how much time you're going to spend with each consumer. And we know that we can spend enormous amounts of time with a few consumers and really win them over, or we can spend a little bit of time with a lot of consumers. And you're making those trade-offs when you're designing a campaign, either if you're on the brand side or the agency side, you're making a decision around that. You're saying, you know, I can, I can spend a million dollars on one person, or I can go to a million people for a dollar each. And which am I choosing? And you're finding that middle ground in there that you hope is an optimal mix. You hope is that is that right combination of delivering an experience to the maximum number of people. And how well you did that, how well you reached efficiently the right kind of people and then created an impact on them that was incremental, how well you do that versus what you spent is the ROI. And that is really the, the driver of the third question, the key third question in our mix. Because you remember, our first question was, how often are we reaching the right kind of people? The second question is, am I creating intent where it didn't previously exist? And the third is, am I doing this in a way that is creating a positive ROI for the brand? And under what circumstances am I maximizing ROI or value? And that is so key because that the, the right ROI model will bring the reach efficiency and the reach quality in alignment with the impact that you generated and then cross-reference that with the expense that you put forth to do that. And as an outcome, deliver to you an index measure 
that allows you to assess all of that. And ROI as an index measure can be applied to all the segments that define your experiential marketing campaign, the venues you chose, the people you got to, even the day of the week or the time of day. You can segment ROI by all of those things and start to see from an index perspective, when are you creating the maximum value? And when modeled correctly, ROI will let you then deconstruct it when it's less than you thought or would like to then find out where specifically am I bleeding? So are you bleeding because you're not reaching enough people? Is your ROI low because you're not reaching the right kind of people? Or is your ROI low because you're not creating an impact when you reach anybody? And the answer is not black and white to any of those questions. The answer is a million shades of gray. And as an index score, as a ratio measure, ROI allows you to see the gradation of that. And then it gives you a clear picture of success. If you're below 100, you know that ROI is negative. And I'm, it's very premature for me to say that that's success because there are very legitimate reasons why an ROI would be negative because much of experiential is not done to make money in the short term. It's done to educate, to execute a sponsorship agreement. It's done to, for all kinds of reasons that relate to a brand's health and a brand's success. But you have that immediate indicator of whether or not the cost of the campaign is being paid for by itself and to what degree that's happening. But you also get all the variation of that and how that how that trains you. So we, we can look at scenarios where you are at a, a state fair versus a Gorilla Intercept, and you can see the state fairs are delivering twice the return for you. And while it's delivering that twice the return, you can see it's happening because you're reaching so many more people, not because you're reaching more targeted people. Whereas that Gorilla Intercept, you're reaching a better target of the right kind of person, and you're having a strong impact. You're just not reaching enough of them. And because you can deconstruct it in that way, you can start to really build strategy. And it really becomes a roadmap to where better marketing is going to come from in the future. And so those are the three questions. Those are the three questions we recommend you superimpose on any data collection analysis and reporting process related to experiential. And kind of a secret, it relates to all of marketing. But for experiential, it certainly it certainly fits very well. How often am I reaching the right kind of person? Am I creating intent where it didn't previously exist? Am I doing this in a way that's generating a positive ROI for the brand? And under what circumstances is that ROI strongest? Those are the three questions we champion and the reasons why. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please listen to any of the previous episodes if you find value here. Please uh, subscribe so you can hear what we have coming up next. We publish every Wednesday. And I do thank you for your time. Take care. Bye-bye. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.